From the Atonement Fargo Studios on South University Drive in Fargo, North Dakota, this is That Podcast. Hey, to contact the crew, submit your questions or comments, go to atonement.live slash podcast questions. And now, here's those crazy people with That Podcast. Hello again, and w- welcome everybody to That Podcast. My name is Ryan Janke, and as always, I'm joined by Pastor DJ Lura and Sarah DeYoung. And today, we welcome Lisa Hansen to the program. Lisa is the Director of Family Ministry and Life Groups here at Atonement, and she is also the founder of The Next Step ND, which is an organization whose mission is to advocate for human trafficking survivors here in North Dakota. Lisa, welcome to that podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. You know, before we get into the important stuff, does it feel strange that we're all masked we're all masked. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And those of us with spectacles are all fogged up yeah, as well. Yeah, I can't, I can't see any of you. Without these you headphones, know, I wouldn't hear you. This is probably, my eye doctor has to be loving it because usually I only buy six months of contacts and then I stretch it for a year Yeah. because I don't wear them that much. But man, I wear them almost every day now. Yeah, I wish I could. I can't. Well, I think, I think the best part is that now Sarah can make faces at Ryan and He'll be none, yeah, no, none yeah. the wiser. Yeah, yep. I'll, I'll know just as much as the listeners do on that end. Right. <laughs> behind the scenes, behind yeah. the mask. Yep. Yeah. New, <laughs> new podcast. Uh, so how's everybody doing this week? Doing really well. I took my daughter, uh, my oldest, on her first plane flight by herself. Yeah. How'd that go? Well, uh, she got there. Yeah. And that was good. Um, How long has she gone for? Uh, 10 days. Wow. Yeah. She's visiting her squad, uh, mm-hmm. really close friends that she's made since, you know, moved here a year ago. And she's made friends here, but she's got that just a real special group of friends that uh, they, they all make each other better. Yeah. And, uh, and so, but right now it's where she's at. It's 100 degrees and 100% Ooh. humidity. Ouch. So yesterday her phone died, or at least we have trackers on their phones, so we yeah. know exactly where they are, and, and she didn't call her mother. So oh she, got, she got the full, the full guilt trip today of, well, could have been dead in a ditch, and I never would have <laughs> known. Yeah. Yeah. But they were having, uh, it was so hot, and they were having such a good time that they just hung out at the pool all nice. day yesterday and didn't need to call anybody or... That's cool. Yeah. So, so uh, my wife, Tabitha, was in, she lived in Pennsylvania for about three years in, in uh, junior high. And she's friends, she moved away, I think, in seventh or eighth grade. Um, and uh, she and now I are friends with, with them to this day. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the relationships you develop at that age is it's crazy. They just so, stay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so you, how you would hope they would stay. Yeah. Especially nowadays where, I mean, uh, with technology, I mean, she was talking face-to-face with her friends pretty much every night, playing video games with them and, you know, talking about schoolwork with someone on, you know, the other side of the country and being able to keep those relationships going through that, through that communication um, bonanza that we have today. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it is a cool thing. I remember as a kid, my friends... <laughs> back in North Dakota when I didn't when I moved away from here I'd have to write a letter 
Yeah. And then I would wait like a month for another letter to come. And it was so exciting to get a handwritten letter from one of my friends because that's, that's how we could communicate aside from a phone call. But dear, they, were, they were expensive back in the day. Dear DJ, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I'm just fine. Are you reading my mail? <laughs> that's exactly what it sounded like. <laughs> that's how they all sounded. Right? <laughs> oh, man. Ah, the 20th century. The good yeah. old days. Yeah, yep. Exactly. So. So the uh, the the phone is going to be well charged for the next week or probably whatever. not probably not no <laughs> but is that the success phone? Yes, it is. See, me and your daughter, we have a connection because we both still have successes. So we are in a support group. Yes. <laughs> so when she comes here, she knows where my charger is, so she can be charging because I know her problems. So what is a success? We have phone? a bond, huh? Six S. Oh, it's, yeah. of, it's iPhone version. 6S. Yeah. Oh, it's an older one. I'm not an iPhone person. Oh, that's your problem, uh, Ryan. That's not a problem at all, Sarah. Yeah. Ours is going to be in Bonanzaville soon. So yes. tell their hold on to it. Collector's <laughs> item. <Right>. So, <laughs> exactly. So speaking of, uh, you have a tracker on your phone, and that um, kind of leads us to uh, the different ways to protect people, protect our kids. And Lisa, um, this is sort of your... Area of expertise, I guess. Well, kind of. Yeah, it is. And when you said tracker, I said, hey, my son's 20, and I still have Life 360 on him, too. <laughs> you know what? I said, he can delete it if he wants, but then don't call me when you lose your phone or <laughs> you want to know where well, I am. can't call you. <laughs> yeah, for true, right? <laughs> this is the problem, though, because I have the opposite problem where I'm a big, most of my friends all have iPhones. My parents both do. So we, I have all of my friends on Find My Friends, so I can find all of them. And one day yeah. I sent to my mom. It's like, oh, sure, you're Find My Friends with me. Why would I do that? So she can see where I am. Mm-hmm. 25-year-old adult. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I can't see where she is, and she won't share it with me. Oh, Sarah, yeah. once a mom, Just, always a mom. I You'll know. get it someday. <laughs> but shouldn't it be a two-way street? I should get to see where she's at, too. True. I agree see? with that. Yeah. That's, infr- calling them that's calling infringing on her privacy. Yeah. <laughs> she could mm. be dead in a ditch. Exactly. <laughs> right? And I've heard that line before. Oh, <laughs> man. So is my kids, because yeah. sometimes they look like they're in a field on Life yeah. 360. And I'm like, where are <laughs> you? We're in a field. like. And, and with my work, you know, mm-hmm. I'm always the mom, you know, the human trafficking mom. So when I started this work, you know, my kids have had, you know, mm. been a little bit more in a bubble. And I've had shorter leashes on my kids than the rest of them because... I know too much behind the scenes of what does, Mm -hmm. you know, what it is reality where people think, oh, that's never going to happen. I'm like, you know, it does. Yeah. So. Well, tell, tell us about the the next step ND kind of uh, how, how and why you got uh, started with that organization. Yeah. So that started, gosh, I think I started that um, about eight years ago. It started right here at Atonement when I was doing women's ministry. And uh, once a month I would bring in a, um, a speaker from the community to speak to our women here at Atonement. And um, there was uh, one of our members' nieces working in a safe house that worked with um, trafficking victims in Minneapolis and in Nepal. And she kept coming up to me and asking me to have her come and speak. And when she told me it was about sex trafficking and working in a safe house, I was like, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm the person that doesn't even like watching the Feed My Starving Children um, things on TV for the hungry children. I just go right by them because I just like, oh, Lord, I can't handle that part. He knows I can't. So, mm-hmm. um, and during that time, I just felt like um, 
I was just in a, like a, a bottle. And I felt like I loved the ministry I was doing here with family ministry at church, but I kept thinking I was just really struggling trying to figure out, I felt like I was calling me to something else. And then I would go home and my husband was like, are you, is this like, like, an adult crisis type of thing or a 40s thing because what's wrong with you and I'm like I don't know and meanwhile the member kept coming to me and asking me to have her niece speak and I finally gave in I had her come and speak and sure enough she brought pictures um of these little girls behind bars and their traffickers and it was generational where she was in Nepal and it just shattered me. And I thought, well what do I do with this? You know I knew this was going to happen. This is why I didn't want to hear about it. And um, I honestly knew nothing about human trafficking. It was just a foreign thing to me, like that happened globally. Mm -hmm. And so I just started educating myself on it. Um, just, um, I'd just be Googling human trafficking and going on certain websites. And um, it wrecked me for like a whole year because it was an evil that opened up um, these doors that I had I didn't know the depth of human trafficking, especially sex trafficking, and the age of these girls and little boys. And um, when I figured out it was right here, it's like, this isn't a global problem. This is the United States. And then I'm like, this isn't just in the United States. This is in North Dakota. And then mm. I'm like, this is a problem in Fargo. And, and then it was during that time, I think my daughter was 12. And I thought, my daughter is the age that traffickers are looking for. And so I started looking for organizations um, in our town and North Dakota, try to figure out how I can just plug in. Mm -hmm. Couldn't find any. They just weren't doing that work yet. It was just so new and you didn't hear the word yet. And um, so that's, I actually showed a documentary here at church called Nefarious. And uh, it's just a, a documentary about um, human trafficking globally and um, internationally and um, just what's going on in the United States. And um, I had a lot of people come to that. And then at the end of the movie, they're all crying, and they're like, well, now what do we do with that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just sh was called to show the documentary. And um, during this time, I was kind of thinking, what do I do? And so I thought, well, if these people want to come and watch a documentary about sex trafficking, then maybe they're interested in helping me start an organization. So I called them back, and that's how... Um, uh, work that I started doing. It was actually started as Voice for the Captives, but I've just recently let go of that domain. So I know there are still people that recognize that name. Um, and then um, the last few years, we started work w working with survivors. And that's how we got um, started the Next Step ND. And okay. that's how it kind of all started. And that's so now we're just doing the Next Step ND because that's just the most recognized name right now. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you talked about how it's a um, a global issue and and a and an issue here in North Dakota and in Fargo. Um, so you talked a lot about sex trafficking, but it doesn't stop there, right? There's all sorts of different kinds of trafficking. Mm -hmm. So there's yeah, you have the sex trafficking. You have um, well, it's typically sex and labor tra trafficking um, are the two like categories, and then there's different ways people will traffic underneath that. Mm -hmm. um, but those are the, yeah. Okay. It's basically divided into those two areas. You know, when we when we use the term trafficking, I think for, so, like, we're talking about modern-day slavery here. Absolutely. There are more slaves a day than ever before. I mean, we think it was bad, you know, in the 1800s or whatever, you know, finally when, you know, it ended. War, but it, right? there's more today than ever before because it went underground. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Uh -huh. Yep. 
And, uh, you know, drug trafficking used to be the number one organized crime, but um, human trafficking has taken over quickly because drug traffickers know that um, when they have drugs, it's a one-time sale. And they kind of got smarter working, you know, smarter, not harder. And they're like, well, I can sell people over and over and over again and profit. Mm. So a lot of them are twofold. A lot of them still do their drugs too, but um, a lot of them went to human trafficking. Wow. So... Um, so who, who are the, are the victims? I mean, a lot of times people have this idea that it's just people from the other side of the tracks or people, it's not going to affect me. It's not happening here. Um, how, how does it, how does it happen? And, and how does it happen in a community like, like Fargo? Like, yeah. So let me give you a few stats. Um, so when I started this work a long time ago, it seems so long ago, it used to be um, globally, it was 32 billion people were, um, you know, that was estimated um, globally that were in human trafficking. Billion? 30, billion. 32 million? Um, 32, just a second here. There's about 7 billion Tw- people on the planet, so. 27, to, yeah, right, right. So when I started, it was like 27 million people, sorry, okay. globally are being trafficked. And now it's at, they estimate, 40 million people oh my goodness. who are wow. being trafficked globally. And then it's an estimated, it's a, a $150 billion um, dollar industry. Okay. And it used to be, sorry, it, was 30, it used to be $32 billion dollar industry, and now it's $150 billion. Wow. And that's within like an eight-year span. But um, so the people have doubled, and um, obviously it's estimated, but... United States is the number one destination for child sex trafficking. And I think people think child sex trafficking, it's happening, you know, overseas and it's so global Mm -hmm. because it's so much easier, but United States is the number one. And it is for pornography too, which is the stepping stone for trafficking. So it kind of makes sense that this would be, but in North Dakota, like a lot of the problems here, um, people don't realize like, well, where is it at? You know, when I started this work, it was actually, a lot of it was in Williston because of the mm-hmm. oil fields. And when you have a lot of money and a lot of men, um, typically you've got a lot, of, it's a hot spot for traffickers. Um, and part of the problem here in Fargo is we have two interstates that run through it. And um, so there's a lot of trucks and a lot of truck stops. And those are also hot spots um, for here in North Dakota. And um, in just to give you an idea, so Backpage, before Backpage was taken down, um, that was, besides that and Craigslist, were probably the two biggest places where traffickers would be, um, you know, advertising their girls or women or boys. People forget, like, you know, one in four is a young boy, mm-hmm. um, which is a demand as all, also. But um, just in 2016 was the last um, number I got before they took Backpage down. There was 72,000 ads posted and on backpage.com just for North Dakota. Wow. Just for North Dakota. And that's just backpage. So that doesn't includes Craigslist and all the other um, sites where they're um, advertising. So that's just backpage. And so say that number again. So that was, they counted 72,000 ads that were posted on backpage um, alone, just for North Dakota. Wow. That's in 2016. So I don't think people That's realize. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, there's seven about seven hundred and fifty thousand people in the state, right? Mm-hmm. You know. So if people don't think it's going on here. 
you know, it's like traffickers aren't going to advertise where there's not a demand, right? right. So then, you know, it's, it's thriving here, obviously, and they know they can... Um, Oh, get their ads answer. I used to, on my Voice for the Cadbas website, before I took that down, um, I used to scrape the number from back page. Every hour, it would change. So every time you go to my website, um, every hour, the number of um, ads that were posted on there would show. And um, one day, I couldn't believe it was just like in the middle of the week, and it was in the evening, and I looked, and there was like 72 um, ads that night. And I looked at my husband, and I'm like, what's going on in Fargo that that's so high? Cause just for Fargo and that's just back page. So that's not all the other, mm-hmm. um, websites. Um, and it was the big iron farm show. Mm. And so wow. I think people don't understand like when we have big events here, but actually mm-hmm. that was the biggest event that brought in the most ads was the big iron farm show. Unbelievable. Yeah. And those ads were curtailed to farmers because they were yeah. like, you know, looking for, you know, a cowgirl, you know, so they were. Right. The they wording were, was, yeah. They were marketing to their audience. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which so. is, wow. So you got the truck stra- stops, you got the Northern Strip Club that, um, you know, people know a lot of trafficking goes in and out of strip clubs. That's a stepping stone for some of the girls that are there as well. Um, backpage.com, which has been taken down, but that all went back up under different URLs. So we know it was just a temporary thing. Um, the oil fields are still there and we don't currently have a safe house in North Dakota um, for the girls, which is a problem. So we could rescue all these girls, mm-hmm. but then where are you going to put them? So, you know, our beds are typically full here. Um, so we have to and other places. And then we have at-risk youth, like within any community has at-risk youth. So, yeah. Um, so that's our current problems here with Fargo. And COVID has brought everything mm-hmm. up to a whole different level because you have all these kids at home now right. on their devices, on screen time, and it's a predator's dream right now. There's more people at home um, seeking out kids and luring them. And so... Um, yeah, oh. there's a. I think it was for the um, the National Center for Missing Children. I forgot what the percentage was. It went up forty um, percent. The hotline with COVID. Really? Mm-hmm. Over the last just since four spring. months or whatever. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's insane. Yeah. So what? Um, the next step, ND. Then how are you? advocating or or how do you help survivors of trafficking of trafficking yeah so we help um we work closely with all the shelters and when they have people that um either come to the shelter and are trying to get out of it or they're rescued or however they come into the program um a lot of them are addicted to drugs or alcohol so they have to go through treatment and there's immense counseling that they have to go through um, in order to get back on their feet because there's a huge grooming process that these traffickers um, inflict on their um, victims in order to to control them. And um, once they're ready to come out of the shelter and get back on their feet, that's typically when I get a call. Um, They have such limited resources here for um, women and men. I've been called to help with... um, there was a man that was lured here from Mexico for a farmer, and he was labor trafficked. And he, they called me because he needed a car. 
um, to get to a job because he still wanted to send money back to his family is why he came. But he had severe injuries from this farmer and all, you know, labor trafficking him. Um, so it's not always women that we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, once they call me, I mean, we help them. We have never turned a request away um, from the shelters. They have to be working with, um, they have to have a social worker. I don't take girls right off the streets. Um, I have gotten many calls from girls off the streets. And if I were to help them where they're at, um, I would be enabling them to stay where they're at. And that's why I don't go there. So I have them, I connect them with the shelter or somebody to help them get out of that situation. But um, I help them are... The most requests we get for the girls uh, is rent, um, rent and deposits. Um, we help them with um, their utilities, lights, electrical, a um, lot of baby needs. Um, mm-hmm. The girls are pregnant, um, medical needs, uh, medications, um, clothing, food, um, gosh, car repairs, vehicles, gas. Yeah. Gas cards are a huge thing for them. Um, transportation, local transportation. Um, I helped somebody, um, they had no beds for a girl that was pregnant and and she was living currently under a bridge and she was a trafficking victim. So I put her up in a hotel until they, um, had a bed open for her. Mm. Um, so there's just a lot of scenarios and things that I get requests for. So that's where, um, all the donations and everything goes is for that. So is to help them so that. Because, yeah, if, if they can't get those needs, they're going to go right back to where they were before. A lot of them do. They're in survival mode. They come out of the shelter, and the shelters here, you know, they have li- very limited budgets to help with the things that I'm able to help with. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to split it with all the other shelters. And so, um, you know, that's why I get a lot of requests. But um, And we don't have a safe house to put them in, so they're looking for beds here. And they get them in low-income housing, but these girls come out, or men, and when you're a trafficking victim, you have felonies, you have a lot of obstacles. A lot of them have children. I've helped with daycare because they can't work without the daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and just, you know, things like that, so. You know, for um, people listening may be surprised. I know I, know I was um, hearing um, a survivor speak a year ago at an event that you had that we're not just talking physical servitude here. I mean, it is mental, emotional, Mm -hmm. spiritual, social bondage. Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, to hear you say, you know, I get contacted by someone on the street. I can't help them where they're at because they're still bound in all those other um, uh, wellness spectrums. I mean, it's, it's full slavery. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's such a stigma for people to think that, well, these girls have cell phones, right? And they walk around, they look free, you know, where they're at because, you know, they know, like these traffickers, they're very, very clever. They know what they're doing when they have those victims. I mean, they can spot them. They look for the vulnerable people. Um, well, and it sounds like it's a long process of putting the hooks grooming, in them. Very the, much the, so. The grooming. And that's yeah. what you mean by grooming is yep. is getting, getting them uh, completely... Um, subservient under control yeah it's a control it's it's all about control and they they can't control them I mean the triggers there's so many triggers for these girls and they know how to work them and they just don't take these girls like out of the blue like they know where they live they know about their family so they will threaten these girls like you know I know you have a sister I know about your family and 
you know, either they're going to expose them for what they just did. Um, Teresa Flores, um, she has a book called The Slave of Across the Street, and um, she came from a, a middle-class family. They were very involved there in their Catholic church and with their priest, and she wanted to go to this boy's apartment. She was 15, and um, the parents didn't want her to go. Well, one day she went against her parents, and she went on over to the apartment, and they were waiting for her, and they gang-raped her and videotaped it, and they said, if you tell anyone, we're going to tell you, because they knew everything about her before they did this. Um, they already befriended her with somebody within the school, because traffickers sometimes, um, a lot of the times, they befriend um, not just men to you know, go out and look for girls, but it's girls because they know it's just going to be more receptive to girls befriending girls. But they got out of the apartment and they said, you know, if you don't do what we do, we're going to tell, you know, your whole family is going to be ruined. And so for two years, every day, like after school, they were watching her from her school where she'd walk and they were following her in the car to a hotel or wherever. And, you know, where she was having to serve Mm -hmm. men for two years and but that's just not uncommon because that's typical I mean that's more typical around here how that will look is um people befriending these you know girls and luring them somewhere else and finding out that it wasn't for a job yeah you know it wasn't you know so how does somebody who like if I'm out at Target or and I see somebody who you kind of get that gut feeling of I feel like they are in danger. I f- how how do you help in that situation, or how can you kind of what can you like do? Who, who do you who do you call? Who yeah. do you? I've gotten calls from people too, just so. saying, "Oh, I see something that doesn't look right." Lisa, you know, and I've called the police department, and um, that's all you can do is honestly mm-hmm. call nine one one. You can call. There's a human trafficking hotline number that you can call. But they're just going to call your local police department in mm-hmm. any way. But at least it's a local hotline. Then they can, mm-hmm. you know, um, find, you know, your local police department. There's uh, texting numbers out there um, that you can text. But the problem is a lot of people don't want to get involved. And they mm-hmm. see things that don't look right. And you know your gut feeling. To, and I've seen things that I'm like, people need to be more vocal and step up and, you know, be calling and contacting. You know, if you're wrong, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but what if you're right? You know, how many girls have been out there that are like, I wish someone would notice me out here. It's like, I can't leave. I have a phone because my trafficker needs to know where I'm at. But they're not going to go anywhere. I mean, even if the trafficker, it's very hard to prosecute um, a girl who has been, you know, say they um, have a sting and they get these girls and they get the trafficker to get these girls to talk. Um, They're deathly afraid. They're like, you got my trafficker. He has got so many contacts outside here and I know if I talk my family's going to be in trouble or my daughter is going to be in trouble so mm-hmm. they won't um, speak so that's why they needed the safe harbor law so these girls can speak against the trafficker and not be prosecuted in the process but um yeah it's uh but the grooming yes it's people don't realize I talked to Erin Prochnow she's the director at the um, YWCA, and she said for the girls, they have two units for trafficking victims. Um, not, it's not a safe house. They just have two units just for trafficking. That's all we have in the United, United States. Sorry, North Dakota is two units for girls. Um, and it takes them three times the resources to help a girl out of trafficking than it does um, a woman who's in there for domestic violence. I'm not minimizing domestic violence at all. I'm just mm-hmm. saying 
the process to get these girls because the mental and emotional, um, I mean, they have just been wrecked, Mm -hmm. like to break through that Mm -hmm. barrier and they have so many triggers and it's a really long process for them. Yeah. The emotional and the the self-esteem and the Mm self-worth is, you know, so low, I imagine that they just, you know, get that mindset. Where am I going to go or what am I going to do or who's going to have me? Mm-hmm. Kind right. Of thing. And that's a, that's a huge part of the next step ND, you know, ground, we want to be there and we know they reach out to us for the financial need first, but they need a support system. Mm-hmm. And we are a, obviously I'm a, a Christian organization. And so my heart behind this is the ministry part where if they want to know who Jesus is, I know that he's the answer to all of this. He's the one that can give them that hope and, let them feel loved again because I have been asked and I have not been asked, I should say, I have been told by women that I have met and they said, Lisa, don't give me that. Like you don't even know what I've been through. And I didn't see God in any of it. Like, you know, he left me, he, you don't even tell me. So there's a big wall there that mm-hmm. takes a while to um, break down for these girls. And that's where I want them to be. If there's anything I can get them you know, as I want to be planting seeds and showing them because that's where they're going to find the hope and healing. Mm -hmm. And same with the Johns, the buyers, people don't realize like that's a whole nother platform. But um, the addiction to pornography is the stepping stone of trafficking. And we've got to be reaching, you know, like middle school age boys is where it starts or men in the church, you know, wherever we can reach men. But um, it, it is a, people don't even realize like how big this issue is, the pornography issue. And uh, where that leads, because it starts there. And now, you know, it's so secret that you just go on your device and you order up what you want. Um, You know, there's so many people that just go on the Internet. There was this one website that I found called Baby Rape. And the men just simply go on in the comfort of their own home, uh, put in their credit card, and they just say what they want them to have done to the children on there. And they sit and watch it and while these children are being sexually tortured and you just pay for it. And, you know, the, the internet is the new sidewalk. You know, they used mm-hmm. to sell, used you know, years ago, you know, people say, oh, yeah, the prostitutes that were visible. But now it's underground, it's on the internet, and that's how it's being sold. And so, um, yeah, it's the stories and things that I have heard and the darkness of this goes beyond like anything you can even fathom. When I tell people before you start wanting to go into my organization and start helping with the work I do, you need to educate yourself on what this really looks like. And I tell them to really be careful and be praying about it because it is a tough thing to, you can't unknow anymore once you start you know, going into this. And mm-hmm. the first year I had really, I had a hard time sleeping at night because, um, I don't know how many times my husband came in. It's like, you need to stop because you just, I don't know. And the, and the word sex trafficking, just saying that to people should be enough for me. Like for me, it should be on the front of every paper every day for people to say there are children being, they're sex slaves. You know, these are mm-hmm. the buyers. The demand is for girls that are age 12 and they're getting younger and younger. I just read about a little girl. She was six months old being trafficked for sex and um, the parents, I believe, were selling her. Um, And what's sad about this is how young these girls are, the demands there. 
there is such a huge demand and there's no mold for a John. These are people in your, these are your neighbors. These are coaches, doctors, you know, I mean, I hate to throw it, say pastors, but I don't want people to think that, oh, you're just safe with anybody because, you know, educating your kids is so huge. And the phone thing, DJ, it's like, you know, know what your kids are on and who they're talking to because that's how they're being lured and mm-hmm. you've just got to be careful. So having educated yourself and having seen the the evil in the world, and, and I mean not, not in a figurative sense, I mean you're seeing literal evil in the world. What have you needed to do to strengthen yourself to be able to shine light in in such darkness like how do you how do you how do you strengthen your soul yeah you know um i'm not going to lie and i hate you know it feels embarrassing to admit but there's been many times i wanted to quit mm-hmm. and i thought i can't do this work anymore and i thought and then all of a sudden, not out of the blue, God will, like, do something. I will get a call. I will have some sign that he shows me. It's like, I am not done with this. You know, I called you to do this work. And there has been, or I'll get a call from a friend or one of my um, people on my team. And, or I get a, um, a uh, somebody just reaches out for a speaking engagement or, God just knows, and I do have to take time away. You know, I have a lot of people that say, oh, Lisa, I just watched this documentary or read this book. I'm like, you know, I I don't need to keep reliving that and keep, like, you know, feeding myself, like, all these stories and stuff. I'm, I'm kind of done with that. I don't do that anymore because I'm, I'm, it's just constantly on your mind, and it just it gets so dark, and... If you, I know spiritual warfare like I have never known it. Once I started this work, I didn't even really understand spiritual warfare until I started this work. Because when you put your feet on the ground for something that God would call you to, there is an enemy that is pushing you back. And he will come at you through your family, through your work, through, you know, when I have events, I know that week or leading up to it, everything just goes bad for me. And... Um, you better be in prayer and you better have a prayer group and people praying for you for protection. Um, that's honestly the DJ, how I, you know, I mean, fear will keep you from, you know, doing things that God called you to. And, um, gosh, you can't let the enemy, I don't want to give him an inch of anything. So I feel like if I stop, that's exactly where he wants me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've had some really strange even calls from guys, and I didn't even realize this when I started this work, that I'm not fighting, like, um, world hunger or something. You know, I'm fighting something that people don't want me here. You know, I'm fighting against an organization that wants to be thriving, and I could be potentially stopping them. Mm-hmm. And I've had some weird calls and things, and my husband was like, gosh, you know, we have kids in our house. And so I started trying to stay more anonymous. Um, I know, like, a local magazine asked to put me on the front for their thing, and I'm like, nope, Mm -hmm. I don't Mm want to go there. I I try to stay as anonymous as I can. I don't post my meetings anymore. Um, Because it's very scary, Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, 
but yeah, uh, spiritual warfare is, is real. And, um, I'm always having people pray and spending time in God's scripture and word. I mean, that is, that is where you fight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, um, so yeah. Well, I don't know what else to say to that, but (laughs) well, God bless you and keep you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, DJ mentioned, uh, the event last year. Um, Mm -hmm. and unfortunately with COVID, uh, you had to push this year's event back, but can, can you, can you tell us about the event and, um, what it typically looks like and what it'll hopefully look like next year? Right. So, um, we started an event called Purses for a Purpose because, um, I was, we had brought Kelly Minter here as a speaker, a Christian speaker, and she highlights a ministry at each town she goes to speak to. And they chose me as the ministry, but in order to qualify, I had to have a tangible um, something for women to be able to plug into, which was really hard to think of because I don't have a, a house where people can come rock babies or something. So I'm like, what am I going to do? So we came up with purses for a purpose where people could bring purses. And then we stuffed the purses with like 10 items that the women typically don't get in the shelter, um, like, um, you know, hairbrush, lotion, hygiene items, you know, little things like that. And um, we also put a wooden cross on top with a note, and we stick that in the purses. And so we have people donate those, and those are given out to all the state in North Dakota, all the shelters, first responders, are those are given out to um, trafficking victims. And it's just kind of a, a way to make that first contact with them. And, you know, once they're ready, they can contact us, and, um, you know, we can make that relationship. But... Um, and then, um, gosh, what was the other part of your question? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. So we had some speakers come and um, share about their experience as well as part of the community that also fights this and our community officers and stuff. And um, we had to postpone that this year, obviously, due to COVID. It was mm-hmm. supposed to be this September 15th. Now it's postponed to next September 16th. Um, so... Yeah, people just, you know, part of it's fundraiser, and the big piece I really want people to get is the education piece. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first started this work, there was no awareness, like, and I couldn't even, I can't fight something people don't know about. So right. the, the first part of everything I did was speaking engagements wherever I went because people needed to know what this looks like. And so um, that's just a huge part of the community, part is the education for the person for a purpose. So, so. Um, other than that event, um, where can they go to, where can people go to, to learn more? Do you have good resources for them to, to, uh, learn more about this? And yeah, they could go to the website, the next step ND website. And, um, I'm trying to remember what all we, we just had our, I just had somebody working on my website. They were, we were redoing some of the things on there. Um, at my events, I'm always handing out resources, especially for parents, um, just with the um, the internet safety and the media stuff. And um, if people want to learn about more, just I would give them ideas for documentaries or books to read, um, what this looks like, and then people can make donations, mm-hmm. um, obviously, on there. Um, but I don't – I can't remember what I'll have on there for a resource. People can contact me, and I can get them whatever I want. And you always want to be careful when people are coming to the internet for what – websites you go to for resources because they're not all legit so people have to be careful what and i can get them um websites to go to as well so they can go to the next step com 
or to the to the Facebook page. You up, update yep. the Facebook page quite a bit. Yep. Um, would that be the best way to, to contact you if they want to reach out to you? Is yep. They could do that. They can contact me through, you know, Atonement here on staff. They can contact me or call the office too, and I can connect with them. So. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, sounds good. It was a tough conversation today, but I'm glad that, that we're having it and getting the information out. Mm-hmm. Um, do either of you have any questions or do you have anything else, Lisa, that that um, you'd like um, for people to hear or talk about? Gosh, um. Well, you know what? Here, I, I do have a question, and this is coming as a parent. We were talking yeah. a little bit about the phone. Yeah. What are some um, proactive, of course, be aware of, of what your kids are watching on the, on the phone? And, and I've even understood this, that with this next generation, they have their, their squads, so it's not just one set of parents being aware of what's going on with their children. It's also being aware of all of your friends' parents and being in communication with them as well. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, all of them will gang up on the one parent to get their way. They're, they're communicating yeah. mm-hmm. together. You're not just dealing with one child. You're dealing with ten. So what are um, some proactive um, steps, I guess, that you would suggest to parents – that are aware of the danger to help to protect their kids? So the first thing is you've got to be talking to your kids. And I know um, one of the things I really wanted to get in when I started this work is there is no education about this in the schools. And those kids are the victims. And um, I think it's just that, and too, with parents, they're like, oh, I don't want to talk about that with my kids. I'm like, well, if you don't, uh, a trafficker will. Or you're just opening this up for your kids to be vulnerable to a buyer and have no clue what's going on. And um, so to be taught, and you hate doing that. I tell you what, when my kids, but they were pretty young, and I thought if my daughter's old enough to, to be trafficked, I have to tell her about what this looks like because I know she thinks, oh, mom. And even now, oh, mom, I know, I know, I know. And I'm like, no, you don't know. You're 17, but they're so much more clever than you. And if they want you, they're going to figure it out. So you've got to be one step ahead of them. So You're not thinking about this. This is all they're thinking about. That's all they're mm-hmm. thinking about is how they're going to lure you. And you don't even know when you're on your phone, you may think it's this one. Oh, it's my friend and my friend, girl. And so I, I accepted her friend request pretty soon. They're texting you or texting her and, you know, asking her about whatever. And pretty soon they're friends, even though she doesn't know who she is. You have no clue who that person is on the other line, you know, behind mm-hmm. that face. Right. And um, so people, you know, one of the things I would say is obviously to be talking to kids what this looks like. I, I totally shattered my kids' innocence. And it's the most awful thing that you have to do as a parent because you love keeping your kids in that bubble and not having to tell them what this world really looks like. Mm-hmm. But um, you have to be. And um, your kids' phones, boy, I would tell you, I would never give my kid a phone if um, – you don't know their password. That That is a covenant between you two that's like yep. your phone is an open phone. Mm-hmm. And if you are hiding something, then, you know, there's something wrong there. Um, I would also say, um, and you can't just tell your kids um, about the dangers of your phone um, without, it, I mean, this whole thing is a heart issue, right? Mm-hmm. So if they want to find pornography, if they want to find you know, go against your wishes. They're just going to go to their friend's house and find it, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to be talking to your kids because you want them to be able to make the right call and be, you know, convicted. That's one thing I pray for my kids is God to, 
um, you know, convict my kids of anything wrong and expose whatever sin they're in to me and Brad or whoever because I don't want them to stay in there. So you want them to be able to make those right choices for themselves. And why is pornography dangerous? You know, I know people think that um, sex sells. I mean, that's what draws people in to a lot of movies and things. And um, when my son was in kindergarten, he's 20 now, so this is a long time ago when the internet wasn't even as big as it is, we didn't have phones. Um, he, there was this advertisement on Nickelodeon, oh, I'm sorry, Cartoon Network, and they kept advertising to go online and have your parents help you play the Scooby-Doo game. And he really wanted to play the Scooby-Doo game. So I thought, oh, okay. Well, he wasn't in the room. And I thought, okay. So I went on Google. I typed in um, Cartoon Network. I clicked on the first thing that came up thinking that's what it was. And it was cartoon pornography. Mm. And that was an eye-opener. I thought, you don't realize that they are looking for your kids. And they're going to reword things and... Um, you know, market things to where they know what your kids are looking for and they're going to try to pull them in because that's just the evil of our world. And Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the pornography is the biggest thing for me. Um, Other things I would do is when your kids are wanting to play a video game or any type of media thing, um, go on like a plugged in online, look for a place that you can type in whatever a book or a movie and look at their reviews, look at what they're going to see. Plugged in online is a great Movie review, book review, video review, and they break down, this is the violent content your kids are going to see. This is the swear words your kids are going to hear. This is the sexual content. And I'm always most concerned about the sexual content because, especially for boys, they cannot unsee what they're going to see at a very young age. And even though when they see those things and in a movie, they're like, oh, I shouldn't have looked at that. Mm-hmm. But I liked it. And I'm wired to mm-hmm. want to see more because we're sinful in nature and well you and know. Espe- it, when especially up until the age of 20 our brains are still oh. growing mm-hmm. yes and every experience you know we talked about this a couple of podcasts back that we are such suggest su- suggestive beings yep um what we take in is going to have an effect on us not just food but what we, what we consume with our eyes mm-hmm. absolutely um and it, it actually rewires the brain. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Which I, makes it much more difficult to then, like like, it, like any type of addiction, it, it makes it much more difficult to move away from it because you've become physically dependent mm-hmm. and desirous of of what your brain has been wired to be desirous for. Yeah. A- average age of boys into pornography is age eight. So if you think wow. about age eight and exactly what you say to DJ, I've, I've listened to, I've gone into certain seminars about pornography and the effects is the same as cocaine mm-hmm. and people don't realize. And I think it's even worse because once you see it, you can't unsee it. So say you have a drug problem, right? You can pull the drug away, right? Mm-hmm. But when it's a pornography issue, you can't unsee those images. They are constantly feeding you mm-hmm. and you're constantly for the rest of your life having to fight those images so for men that have um, pornography issues, um, I think it was deemed as one of the new health um, crises in certain states, um, which is great because it needs to be. Um, but um, yeah, so that's probably the biggest thing for me, though, is, is the pornography stuff. Um, you can also, because you just don't want your kids to fall on those sites, right? So um, you can also put parameters on their phones. Bark is a great one. And... Um, I know you have to put 
you call the place and they actually monitor your child's phone. They monitor their texts and everything that they're doing. And people, a lot of parents are like, oh, well, that's just an invasion of their privacy. I'm like, you know what? They have stopped so many kids from suicide and have been able to stop um, with the trafficking stuff. And, you know, because you're only, um, as a parent, you're notified only when it co- they come across content that you need to know about if it's anything related to any type of, you know, sexual content or bullying or anything mm-hmm. like that. So um, I think that's also, and with your TV and like you said, when your kids go to other people's houses, it's like, you know, your house is secure, but what about the other parents and what are their parameters? Mm-hmm. You know, you right. let your kids watch PG-13. Oh, they let their kids watch some R's and, you know, but so talking with your kids and guarding their heart and wanting them to make those choices for themselves is huge. Yeah. Do you have, um, for, for men out there who might be struggling with pornography, mm-hmm. where can they go for help with that? Um, that's a good question. Um, there are some, um, support groups in town. Um, there is also a, I heard at one of my sex trafficking conferences, there was a man who spoke and, um, I'm trying to, when you said that I can see the book, uh, the DVD, um, he has two series. Um, gosh, I can't think of it right now, Ryan. I wish, um, anyway, if somebody texts me or, or emails me from the church, I will get that resource for you. But um, it is a great DVD study to help men mm-hmm. with the struggle of pornography. I wanted to do something at the church um, thinking like, I mean, I know people are like, well, at least who's going to come to that? Because then they're, they're like self-identifying, right? Mm-hmm. I have a problem. So who's going to come to that as a man? I'm like, you know what? I think every man should go through something like that. Um, because whether you have a son or have a brother or, I mean, you know, other men, right? So what if someone confides in you, how are you going to help them? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's so important for us to have mentors and other people that men can talk to because, you know, a lot of the men, a lot of married couples, um, they're not, you know, their spouses are just, um, in shock when they find out their husband has a pornography issue or they're, they're buying girls because 80% of the buyers are married. And that's a huge percentage. Mm. Um, 80%. When I heard that statistic, I was just floored. And I thought a lot of the wives won't even know. Right. And um, because that's such a secret thing. So I just want all men to like know how to care for and mentor and help people with that struggle and carry them through that, you know, even if they don't have that problem themselves. Uh, the book name is going to come to me and I've heard so many men that have gone through it and, um, yeah, as soon as it comes to me, okay, I'll let you know, but all right. Okay. Well, um, thank you again, Lisa, for coming in. Um, I have a lot of, uh, or we will have a lot of, um, the things that we talked about in the description, um, the girl across the street, the slave, the slave across the street yep, by Teresa, Teresa Flores. Yep. And then, um, I will get the name of the, cause I really mm-hmm. want people to have the name and if they want to borrow the study from me, they sure can. Okay. So, um, 
So I, I will, if you want to, I'll get that to you as well. Okay. And the website so, is the next step ND.com. Right. Or find the next step ND on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a uh, phone number for the national human trafficking hotline, uh, plugged in online and the bark app that you were talking about all in the description. Um, so, uh, and resources, I can get your resources too of different things. Um, people can watch or bring home to your kids. And I know it's easier to have a DVD to talk about um, with education materials to talk about your kids too. So I can get you that because there was a lot I didn't talk about with resources and stuff, but. Okay. So yeah, um, people can reach out to you on, on Facebook or at the website or yep. call here. Yep. Um, yep. And um, all right. Well, uh, for Sarah DeYoung, Uh, Lisa Hansen and Pastor DJ Lura. I'm Ryan Janke. And until next time, have a great week. Uh, We we need to pray. We should pray, but (laughs) also, Lisa, thank you for coming on. Yes. Uh, Thank you for having me. I think Ryan said that, but it's just, um, you know, like I said, the first experience that I had with any of this was from you sharing um, and and doing the, the um, the Purses for a Purpose event. Uh, shortly after I, I came here. And you you hear about this stuff. It's always that problem that's over there. But right. it's it's not. It's uh, There is modern-day slavery, and it is prevalent, and it is happening. Yeah. And uh, thank you. Well, this is huge, and for people to be talking about it. So anybody can do this work. You know, God just called me to do this ministry, but anybody can take resources and start talking about it. And on July 30th, I know you mentioned um, Ryan... Um, through Operation um, Underground Railroad, but it's, um, oh, what was it? Oh, yeah, July 30th, World World Day Against Human Trafficking. Yes. So they want people to rise up and get loud about this problem. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, yeah. And if we all rise up and get loud, then something can be done. Right, mm-hmm. yes. right. Exactly. Awareness is key, so I appreciate you guys having me on and being able to speak and yeah. That's a huge part of the um, prevention. So, well, let's let's pray. That's 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 where our strength comes from. That's that's, right. that's where we restore our souls and and get connected with a God of of goodness and love and justice, uh, who is working to bring deliverance to all the captives. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for all your blessings, and we pray, Lord, that um, uh, you would bless the work of uh, of uh, Lisa in um, bringing awareness as well as resources to those who are in need, um, awareness to the public of, of the, the evil of, of trafficking happening all over the place. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen her, that you would bless her, and that you would open all of our eyes to see, and then to stand together, um, to stand with justice and love, um, that we could see an end to slavery in our time. Um, again, we thank you, Lord, for, for these opportunities to hear these uh, hard realities that are going on in our world and, and that we would turn and seek your deliverance and, and um, trust in your guidance to bring about true justice and uh, true freedom uh, for those who are suffering. Uh, bless us as we go from this day and bless all who have heard this uh, conversation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Play us out.